Welcome to Real Time, the podcast for and about realtors from the Canadian Real Estate Association. We've got a terrific guest for you today. I'm Erin Davis, and you're going to be tempted to take notes or just listen again and again, because our guest is an author, instructor, keynote speaker, certified professional coach, and the person you wish you had sitting next to you on a plane for four hours, Neil Thornton, president of the Thornton Group. Okay, just some of his wisdom. Your business will get better when your people get better. Your people will get better when their management gets better. As the workforce continues to evolve, with some post-pandemic industries experiencing a labor shortfall and others seeing an increase, creating a culture that employees value is critical to recruit and retain the right talent. So here we go. On episode 30 of Real Time, we are joined by Neil Thornton to help realtors and brokers, regardless of your role on a team, strengthen your leadership, coaching, and engagement skills to build a strong team culture. Welcome to Real Time, Neil. It is such a pleasure to talk with you today. Same here, Aaron. Thanks. I'm so excited to do this. Well, you've got to tell us a little bit about the Thornton Group. I mean, a lot of the people who are listening today are familiar with you. You did a talk recently for CREA yeah. in St. John's. And, of course, you're well known for what you do. But why don't you tell the few who don't know just what the Thornton Group is? Oh, well, it's uh, been a, a great ride, about 23 years. And uh, I often tell people it's strategic doing that we do. And they look at me really odd. And I said, I'll often say, you know, the strategic planning is easy. It's the doing that's the hard part. And then in part of that doing is leading change. And I think that's probably the most important business skill right now is our ability to lead change. And uh, you know, I quote General Senseki, if you, if you don't like change, you like irrelevancy even less. And I think that's kind of our business reality because today, I honestly believe we are in the attention span economy and where attention spans are shorter than ever before. So messaging, standing out in a crowded marketplace, and also it's it's dealing with change. We're in exponentially changing times. And I think what we've done before is not going to get the same results today or even beyond. And I think that's what organizations are looking for is the speed of change. We will talk a little bit further on about this, but, you know, instead of looking in the rearview mirror, as you say, what used to work, be looking through the windshield because it's much larger anyway. Right. And that's going to be, I think, the basis of a lot of what we talk about here today, which is why, you know, this forward looking and being able to put behind the highs and the lows and the really unusual circumstances of Mm -hmm. the past few years and be able to try and see into the future just a little bit. Yeah, and you you remember the key word everybody used was pivot, right? Or through the yep. pandemic, it was pivot and yep. pivot. But I really think the the classic skills that we've learned to build our organizations to this point, there's fundamental skills and then there's some new skills. And what the pandemic has done is it it threw us into a virtual environment. So, but you still have the same personal cues, the speaking, the energy, the transferring, the enthusiasm which is so important in a virtual world, if not even more. And it, you know, in fairness, I'm coming out of, uh, I teach at Niagara College here, and this will be the first year we've graduated students who have not stepped foot on campus. Wow. And most colleges, universities are saying that right now. And But to that generation, they're used to it. They get these changes. And, and we can't we can't fight it. We have to learn. It's not what happens to it that matters. It's how we react to it. 
really. Of course, of course. Viktor Frankl said that, that the last human freedom is how we choose to react to whatever happens to us. Man's search for meaning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What a great little book. So going back to the classroom a little bit, teaching via Zoom and the various different ways that you did that, how did that translate to how a business person conducts themselves? I understand that you were called upon by a very, very large company to help them to hold better meetings or to communicate better with their staff. And I know that we are so far into this now that practically everybody has a pithy mug that says, I'm on my Zoom call or whatever. But um, tell me if there's any little nuggets that any of us has missed that we could put to use on Zoom or being more effective on our laptops or whatever camera happens to be in our house. You know, I, I wrote a report and it was very early in the pandemic and it was, you know, elevate your virtual meetings. And I, I take it back to 2008 in the last recession. I was a managing partner of one of the largest training companies in the world. It was a Dale Carnegie business group here in Canada. And when the recession hit, it made us reinvent. And what I did when the pandemic hit was go back to those lessons. But then I also started reading things like nonverbals, body language, improving my speaking ability, improving the, my vocabulary. So executives who reached out to me during the pandemic, I took them back to not only the fundamentals, like don't run a virtual meeting sitting down. Stand up. Let them see your energy. Uh, are you speaking to eyes or foreheads? Because if you're speaking to foreheads, you've lost your audience. You have to change the delivery of your message. What do you mean? One, one sec, Neil. Okay, eyes or foreheads. Are you talking about looking up into the lens on your on your laptop? Or what are you referring to there? Right. It's 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 you're you're leading a group of people. And are, do you have people's eyes looking into the camera because you have their attention? Or are you speaking to their foreheads? They're, they're busy on their phones or checking their oh. emails. Oh, 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 okay. Right? All right, I get that. And yeah. that, that's a concept I use when I teach public speakers is if, if you're in a room full of people and people are checking their phones, you've lost the room. Stop the meeting. Uh, go for a walk. Break it up. Get into a, a team exercise. It's being spontaneous to lead and understand the influence you're having on other people. I think that's the greatest skill set right now for any person in business, including realtors, is learn to read a room. Don't forget, Aaron, we're working on the experience of any meeting or interaction. And even in this call for realtors, it's it's what people say about you when you leave the meeting. Or are you having a meeting and then another meeting happens in the hallway after the meeting? Then you have a culture problem. What is the definition of leadership? Oh, this is good, but I'll let Neil Thornton tell you. After all, he's the expert. And he'll do that right after I remind you about Crea Cafe. You know it, right? It's where you get the latest scoop on real estate news and industry developments. Crea Cafe. We hear a lot about workplace culture being a key driver for today's workforce. So how do you define workplace culture? Well, there's a concept I use teaching marketing today is your brand now precedes you. And that could be your personal brand or your organizational brand. But it's what people say about you when you're not in the room. And I've been teaching leadership for 20 years. I finally came up with that definition. Is the definition of leadership is what people say about you when you're not in the room. And that's reputation. It's testimonials. It's videos. Uh, a previous colleague of mine always said, when you say it, it's bragging. When others say it, it's proof. 
And so I think we have to look at what we're known as in our market. And that's often a reflection of our culture, which includes people who not only work with us now, but maybe people who've decided to leave and they've gone on to other opportunities. What would they say about their experience working with you? Because Aaron, this is, this is so important because an organization today needs to attract talent. We all know how hard it is right now to attract talent. It's because of the retiring baby boomers now moving into Gen X. You're seeing this huge exodus due to the pandemic from the workforce. We're now looking at these younger generations, the millennials, the Gen Zs. Their attention spans are different, but they can, they can multitask. They can communicate. They're wired differently than any other generation. Does your organization, is, is it going to attract that future generation? And I think that's the number one thing most organizations need to work on right now is attracting future talent and being cool, being seen as a company that's cool. Okay, that's positive. And to turn it negative for just a second, what are some of the common mistakes that leaders make in trying to create a positive culture? Can you think of any? Well, yeah, it's sending some people off to a retreat and you do some wordsmithing and we have a new vision, mission, values, and strategic plan, and you stand there and you, 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 you jump up on a mount and you, and you give a speech and people in the room are like, I don't, I don't have any relationship to this. So I, I've often used the term that every person in your company should have a fingerprint on where you're going, their vision and values. Then another thing I see a lot of people do is they spend far too much time trying to fix or convince people. Um, have, have you ever tried to send an angry person anger management? It usually it usually peeves them off, right? Yeah, go figure. They, because they don't have a relationship. For years, I did human relations training, and I had people in a room who were voluntold to be there. Or they were there to get fixed. They, Ugh. you know, they're not going to put anything in that program. So we, you know, very graciously let them leave on their own terms. They had to go back to their bosses and tell them why. But I think we need to work on and focus on the people who are contributing to our business. Have you ever noticed? It's not the bad people who leave a company. It's usually the good people. And, and when they leave, they, they, you know, they give you a resignation. Everybody's surprised. That is a reflection of your culture, is, is you need people to stay. And if you've got a turnover or an attrition issue in your organization, you have to look in the mirror and say, what is it about me that people are leaving this organization? Or what is it about us and our leadership team? Are, are we focused on the right things? And that's where the problems that are the biggest obstacles come in. You've spoken of them. There's ego and... Ego and fear. Yeah. It's the only two things that will ever get in the way of anybody's success. Fear. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be optimistic. I don't see a lot of ego in business anymore. And we, in, in the body language where we call it splaying or taking up a lot of space, raised chins means I'm raising kill points. You're not a threat to me. I... I I like the book, The Power of Now, and Eckhart Tolle said, ego and awareness cannot coexist. And so I think if ego is in check in an organization, then you go to fear. And I know a lot of really great leaders who really want to succeed, but they can't get themselves out of the way. They, they spend too much time in their own brain, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the same talent that got them to where they are, the overthinking, the taking care of details yeah. and all that can also turn into an internal weapon. Well, it is. Look, look at the definition of insanity. I'm doing the yeah. same thing over and over again, expecting different results. In 2022, right. that will not work. Maybe 10 years ago, you could maybe get away with that thinking. But today, it just changes so fast. Like, 
I've got students graduating from college. What they learned in first year is almost irrelevant by the time they graduate. That's the speed of change in technology, data, and, and, and that generation, they understand that, is I have to learn to change. Now, I get this a lot in groups of people. I often ask people, hey, raise your hand if you feel people resist change. You know, and, and everybody probably on this call is like, their, their hands would go up. It's actually not true. In fact, people resist the uncertainty of the change that's perceived forced on them. So a great book that I often turn to is Start With Why by Simon Sinek, where if you're leading change, you have to explain the why of the change, then the how. But a lot of people just go to the how and the tactics. And then that's why you get that meeting in the hallway after the meeting, because people don't know why they're doing what you're doing. And then that creates apathy. Apathy is a cancer that will kill your organization. Uh, There's a word, and and you had mentioned to me earlier, Aaron, about measuring culture. There's a word that if you hear in your organization, just stop the bus. It's the word they. When you hear that, that elicits an us versus them conversation, an underlying pattern uh, of mistrust. As soon as you hear the word they, stop and say, I thought it was we. I thought Mm. this company was we. Yeah, so it's amazing how vocabulary and linguistics tie into yeah. all elements of business right now. We hope you're enjoying real time. I loved this conversation because so much of what Neil says is fascinating, truly. And next up, we'll look at what your potential client is saying without using words. There's so much more to explore here with us on Real Time, month after month. Subscribe wherever you enjoy the best podcasts for episodes with newsmakers, insiders, designers, and great minds who share their wisdom with you. You can also go to crea.ca slash podcast for more details. And now we're back to our chat with Neil Thornton. So before we get on any further, I need to hear some of those body language things that you know about that you can impart to people who are conducting meetings. I got to hear this. We all do. Well, the whole essence of body language for me is not if somebody's lying. That's out of integrity. For me, I use body language to be able to read a room and read the influence I have on that room. So that if I'm doing a keynote and I notice that there's some closed gestures, people are closing up, you know, that, you know, remember the classic arms cross in front of the chest. Well, yeah, some people that's comfort. That could be a self hug. Yeah. You watch for changes in body language, but if somebody is open gestures to you, their hands are out. Remember shaking hands, your hand is neutral and people are open and their body language is open and they're comfortable and they're tapping their feet. That's, that's comfort signs or their legs are out front. That's comfort. People are comfortable, their heads nodding. And then mm-hmm. when you say something, they lean back They cross their arms. They fold their legs. They almost start to take up less space. You've just insulted them. You've said something that's told their brain to close up due to comfort. If you see someone rubbing or pacifying or tugging on a piece of clothing, that's the brain pacifying. Adults don't suck thumbs, but my eight-month-old grandson sucks his thumb because babies do that to pacify. Now, we say, well, adults don't pacify. Go to a university during exam week. You'll see mm-hmm. a lot of pacifying and people rubbing. So that's the brain trying to comfort itself. So that's how I use body language. If people are opened or closed or comfortable or uncomfortable, you read the cues and it gives you a better ammunition when dealing with people, especially if, it, say for today, if you're a realtor 
and, and you're walking up to a home and you, and you see some nonverbal gestures, that couple is giving you the cues of their relationship with you and what you can and can't do. Excellent. Excellent. Earlier on, you mentioned the idea of going away to some sort of inspiration camp or, <laughs> or whatever. And uh, you brought to my mind a vision board, you know, the thing where you put your vision there. And part of your message, if I understand it, has been to make the messages on the board actually come down and be part of your lives instead of just making yeah. the vision and then just letting it be, making the vision a reality. How does one go about doing that? <laughs> okay, I go bananas here. Here we go. Far too many companies have these vague platitudes. They're called wallpaper. They're in the lobby wall or a banner on a website. And they say something like, we will exceed clients' expectations by offering the highest level of service and quality. Right now, my finger is in my throat because I'm going to throw up. That is nonsense. You, how, can, how can you exceed clients' expectations when I just mentioned how quickly they're changing? Real vision is a very clear picture of where we're going. Think think about Bill Gates. When Bill Gates said every home will own a personal computer. At the time, a microprocessor was as large as an apartment. And mm-hmm. Bill Gates said, let's make it happen. When JFK said by the end of the 1960s, we'll put someone on the moon, bring them back alive. Uh, Martin Luther King, I have a dream. Steve Jobs, all of human knowledge on a handheld device. Now, those are visions. So a vision is a very clear picture of where we're going. So an organization creates that vision. Everyone's involved. They believe in it. Now comes the hard part. Well, how do we not just check this off a strategic plan and put it in a binder somewhere? Mm. What I often coach organizations to do is, number one, agree on the vision. Everybody agrees. And core values. Vision, mission, core values are strategic goals. Everybody agree. Okay. Next week, please come prepared to have your name pulled from a hat. If you are pulled, you will be asked to stand and in front of your colleagues, give a specific example, including a date and a time of when either you have lived the vision, mission, values, or noticed somebody else doing it. Have a great week. So people now leave that meeting with the tension knowing that they could be called upon the next week to give real examples. So you agree, then you assign, you come back and you record successes, you publish it for the company, and then you celebrate successes. Right. And at the heart of every culture, the heart of everything is Maslow, the hierarchy of needs, the number one human need, self-actualization, the feeling of importance in business. It's recognition of a job well done, appreciation. So that vision is creating future based action, future based conversations, future based commitments, which pulls that organization to innovate. Most companies are mired in the status quo at best, the current reality problem solving, firefighting, you know, if all you do all day is problem solve, firefight and babysit, all you produce are more problems, fires and babies. It's so true. (laughs) And company leaders are frustrated because that's where they find themselves. We need to focus on where we're going. I say start with listening. You've said that it's strategic. Tell me about that. As human beings, here's what we tend to do. When someone says something in a room, think about a meeting room you've been in and someone says something and what you tend to observe is people often say, oh yeah, that's that's just like, or remember when, or oh, let me tell you why that's not going to work. And what happens is we tend to listen from what we already know. And when people feel judged in that environment, it's like going home and saying, uh, let's say you have a spouse or a partner at home and you say, 
honey, would you mind sitting down? I'd like to talk about your performance over the last year. And you say, oh, Neil, that's ridiculous. But we do it with our employees. We do it in meetings. We judge people what we, what, based on what they say, based on what we already know. So listening is often from the past. It's, it's based on what's probable. That's why innovation's hard. When you coach listening for what's possible instead of probable, you'll hear what you've never heard. But you used a word earlier, Aaron, which is really important. And I get it from a book called The Art of Possibility by Ben Zander. Uh, He's the conductor of the Boston Philharmonic. And in the book, he ends uh, one of his chapters. And it's it's how I ended my book that I just wrote. It's uh, the two words, how fascinating. And it's it's interesting. We just I just try it with groups. It's guys just say how fascinating, and you listen from curiosity, not knowing. We tend to listen from what we already know, from a right or wrong or should and shouldn't be standpoint. Just admit we don't know what we don't know, and that's where innovation lies. I think that's where every organization has to go now in 2022. Listening from a place of I don't know. I don't know. I I, I admit I don't know what I don't know, and I'm going to listen from curiosity. I'm going to listen from innovation, not already knowing. And that gets rid of the ego. That's coming back to Eckhart Tolle again. But how many meetings have we sat in where you you just hear people justifying their opinions? They're going around the room. They just justify themselves. And then you leave the meeting going, well, that was about that meeting was about as useless as an ashtray on a motorcycle. Like we didn't we didn't we didn't advance anything far too much, far too many times we do that. When we return, building your team and what a strong team looks like. Are you a team player in your community as well? Showing up and doing the work when volunteers and leaders alike are needed for great causes? Then why not share your story using hashtag RealtorsCare? RealtorsCare is a national guiding principle celebrating the great charitable work done by the Canadian realtor community. Help raise awareness for those charities and causes you love. Again, use social media and the hashtag RealtorsCare. Well, let's dig a bit deeper into specific team building strategies and best practices. I mean, you've got so much wisdom and you've got great ideas. Okay, let's get the message through here. Some general characteristics of a strong team in your experience. A lot of time, if not most of our time, is spent contributing to where we're going. The vision. So... If you could picture a vision above your desk and your desk is the current reality, the vision has uh, an elastic, an elastic that anchors the vision to the current reality. Intention seeks resolution. So what we put our attention to is what happens. And so if you hear language in your organization, like I'm busy, I haven't been able to do it. And you hear weak words like hope, try, maybe, I'd like to do it. Those, those are just weak languages. Vision language is very strong. It's, I will. We are going to do this. Um, here's what's at risk if we don't. And it's amazing. One of the top things I get asked to do right now is how do I have robust and difficult conversations with people? The conversations we need to have that are honest. And again, there's no conflict in reality. Check your premises. That was Ayn Rand that wrote that, right? So let's, let's get really honest with our dialogue. I've been going back to this a lot. It's time to get human again, Aaron. Right behind me is is a book from 1935. It's an actual original copy of How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's it's one of the most popular books in the world. And I'm seeing a lot of people picking that book up again. 
And and you'd mentioned earlier was Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And when I mm-hmm. work with people who are so stressed today and they don't know they don't know what they're going to do and they're so worrisome, I pull that book out and say, read this book, and then you'll know what stress really is. Tell me how it is that a nearly 100-year-old book from Dale Carnegie is still resonating. It tells amazing stories of how people have built rapport, trust, respect with other people, how to gain willing and enthusiastic cooperation, how to change people's minds without creating resentment, how to lead and inspire a team. I, I think those human skills are, they, they just transcend the generations. They really do. And in, in dealing with a younger generation at the college right now in the university world, it's what a lot of students are looking for is they're smart. They're really smart students, but they want to strengthen their leadership and human relations. And they also want to strengthen a relationship with failure and adversity. It's, it's a generational thing we're dealing with right now is, is an entire generation that needs to understand failure. Yeah. What do we need to learn about the Gen Z? You got you got to be careful. It, 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 it's just diversity right now is is so prevalent, and and it, it, we live in a divisive society. We all know that. I think we have to stop. I often do this with a room full of people. I, I often say, "Hey, are we all committed here today?" And please understand that all people are committed. Right? We're all here today. Okay. You all have a different worldview. I'd like everyone to close their eyes put their right hand in the air and point north. Okay, everybody open your eyes. You will see an entire room of committed people pointing in a different direction. Mm. And you say, so here we are, we all have a different interpretation of reality. So if somebody has, number one, the courage to go to HR and say, I, this is how I feel. They're saying that because they feel they can't share it elsewhere. And it's a result of a number of interactions that have been unconscious by a number of people. And unfortunately, it's the visit to HR that's, you know, the end of the line. Like, okay, we now have a complaint, right? And and that brings us back down to if all we're doing all day is solving people's problems, we're never going to advance. So I often say, as a leader of any organization, get really good at connecting what people's commitments are and aligned expectations. What do we expect of each other? If you feel you can't approach your boss or you call them a boss or whatever, those aren't modern organizations. Those are hierarchical organizations. You need to have flat, equal organizations. Most CEOs I work with today, they don't even have an office. They come in, they've got a tablet, they've got coffee areas, meeting rooms, they sit with people and they coach and mentor. And and those are great skill sets. What's the balance between coaching and knowing, Neil, when a team member just isn't going to work out? Well, let's start with coaching. So coaching is a science, and and you and I have talked about it. It's a certified science. But each person, if they're a business leader on this call, has three skill sets. You have management skills, leadership skills, and coaching skills. All three are completely different. And coaching is about identifying people's strengths that they might not realize they have. And you ask great questions. And people leave a coaching session with a heightened level of awareness and capacity to do more. That's what a coach does. Leaders inspire a group and managers manage things. The rule of coaching is you never coach unless someone asks you. So if you've got a progressive culture, going back to one of your first questions, you know, what's the sign of a great culture? You have a coaching organization. So people have created their own business plans, they have their own visions, they know where they're going, and they see the value of being coached by an impartial person who's there to help them, not to manage them. 
So that's the sign of a great organization. Now on the flip side of that, if we're trying to maybe send ducks to Eagle School or we're trying to fix problem people, I the one of the greatest pieces of business advice I ever got was hire slow, fire fast. And if someone is just not prepared to go where the organization's going, it's it's okay to, to part ways, help them with their career, move them to somewhere where they're going to be happy. But I think we spend far too much time trying to solve people. And, and it's just it's a complete waste of time today. Coming up, choosing innovation through focusing on the future. And when busy is not a good word in business. We live in a huge country, but Realtor.ca brings everybody together. It's the meeting place for buyers, sellers, and everyone in between. Right now, there's like a quarter million listings there from trusted realtors. Of course, that number's probably changed since I started talking with Neil. Check it out, Realtor.ca. Reliable real estate resources all under one roof. So, Neil, how can leaders keep up with the speed of business today while maintaining strong human relationships with their teams? I would say the new speed of business actually means being aware of the impact you're having on other people. I just wrote a book called Presence, Impact, and Influence. And what I'm finding now, what I'm being asked is I'm approached by leaders, managers, owners, C-suite executives. And this is what they're saying to me. Neil, I pretty much know everything about my job. I know everything about the academia, the tactics, um, all the strategies. I kind of know what I'm doing. I've been doing it for years. Okay. I now want to raise my awareness. I now want to know how memorable am I? How could I be a better speaker? How could I better understand a room? How could I better lead and inspire a team? And I think that's the conversation that's happening with progressive companies right now is people are saying, I don't want to keep doing what I've always ever done. I, I want to innovate and I want to grow. And if you want to attract future talent, you have to have that future focused in your organization. The other thing I often say too is get really good at interrogating language. So when someone comes in a room and they say, I, I, I didn't get to it, I was busy or I just didn't have time. That's a great opportunity. Stop. Just stop the meeting and say, just tell the truth. And the, what? Just just tell the truth. It wasn't important to you. Just say it. Now, in my business, I've lost my filter many, many years ago. But, but, but having someone in the room that just stops the room and interrogates the reality and says, just admit it. You, you had said you were going to do this. And you've come back and said that you didn't do it, which means you're out of integrity with your group. You have to build that integrity back up. But your language was, I just got busy. And busy is not a good word in business anymore. There's no room for busy. And instead of saying, I made a commitment to do it, I didn't know what to do, or I wasn't aware how to do it. Okay, no problem. That's a coaching conversation. But we, we let too many conversations go across a room without someone interrogating them. It sounds confrontational, though, Neil. It's sort yeah. of it would be very difficult to conduct without seeming like you're you're picking at or picking a fight or picking on them. Wouldn't you agree? How do you think people would perceive that? Why don't you just tell the truth? You're talking to a classic Dale Carnegie person that builds that trust and rapport with the groups, and then yes. and then I often say things like, "I need to say something." Now I'm saying this because I lo- I love you guys, like I love my clients and I care about them, but I need to say something that needs to be said. 
And I'm saying this so it advances us. Most people, you'd be amazed, Aaron. Most people who think, oh, I'm going I'm to get punched in the parking lot. And I get a phone call, and it's usually that person that says, I want to thank you. Because no one in my company had the courage to tell me what you said. And because you said that, it made me realize that, yes, you know what? Maybe I am using weak language. Maybe I have fallen into a rut. And, and that's the value of a great coach. A great coach isn't loved. A great coach has, has respect and integrity, and, and they help people advance their language. Yeah, and you prefaced it by saying, I'm going to say something that, you know, comes from a place of love or whatever else that it does. So, okay, that totally makes sense. How do you balance equitable treatment for those who've been loyal to you with the need to attract new talent? This is another lane that a lot of people are finding themselves in. Yeah. Well, and you know, we live in a time where seniority doesn't mean what it used to, right? right? So, you know, I worked with an organization once that was a government agency and a gentleman walked in the room and said, 25 more years and I'm out of here. I'm like, okay. You know, that's apathy kicking in. Right. What I often find is the people who have more experience, they're tenured. What I often do is is let them be champions. Let them mentor. Let them create a legacy. Let them work with some of the newer performers that are coming on board. So it's not just you as the leader. You delegate some of that mentorship to other people. And they feel valued. They'll actually go home at night saying, hey, I know I've been in this organization for years, but I'm finally being asked for my opinion, and I'm finally being able to contribute my knowledge to younger people, they get a bit of a kick in their step. Mm -hmm. And that it's so important for younger or newer members to a team to know that they can go to someone, that they can be vulnerable, that they can say, look, I ran into this and I don't know what to do about it, or what would you have done, or to be able to mine some of that wealth of information and wisdom that's just there for the taking. Yeah. And then... You know, my work, I'm very digital. I'm very black and white. You have to be when you're dealing with teams, right? And when someone fails, it's only it's only because of two reasons. Number one, they don't know what to do. Like they don't have the knowledge. Or number two, they know what they need to do, but they're not willing to execute on that. And as a manager, just ask them, which one is it? Like, have we not done a, a good enough job giving you the skills and the knowledge to do this? Or you know you need to do it, but you're not necessarily doing it. Let's talk about what's really getting in the way. Maybe... Maybe you're fearful. Maybe there's uh, some procrastination issues that we need to deal with. And, and that's what really great managers do is you, is you get down to the facts and, and you take the personalities out of conflicts and personalities out of this. Like, oh, well, this person thinks this about you and that, that's not healthy at all. Just say, let's hold a mirror up to you. Let's, let's, let's look at who you're being as, as a human being. Like, are you a human being or a human doing? Are you running around just being busy? Because most people right now, are just so focused on what's in front of their face. And if you put your hand like right in front of your nose, the, the focus doesn't change until you pull your hand away and you start to have a different perspective. I often coach, really it's interesting, I coach executive leaders to walk around the building, start learning how to meditate, prayer, just do something that pulls you away from this day-to-day. -day. Work on you and not just so buried in the business because you're not building any integrity with your team if you're not available for them. We'll be back to Neil Thornton with a phrase he's used earlier that's worth repeating and why it's vital that it sinks in for each of us. But before we do, let me remind you, don't miss our next real-time podcast as soon as it drops. Subscribe where you listen to your favorite podcasts or just go to crea.ca slash podcast for more. 
your brand now precedes you yeah. is something that you have said. And we will get the title of your book and where to find it coming up. And I hope that this is a big part of the book. But tell us what those words mean, your brand now precedes you, and why it's so important today. You know, this is kind of the world we live in where when I say your brand precedes you, it means that I know everything about you before I meet you. And that's digital feeds, social media. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of LinkedIn from a professional standpoint. I've got uh, just over 6,200 connections. I've got 104 written recommendations. And to me, people often call me because they see that. They see uh, a website that has testimonial videos on the first page. Uh, Because what I said earlier, when you say it, it's bragging. When others say it's proof. So I'm always (laughs) collecting people's impressions of what I do. And my goal is to walk in a room and people say, I've heard about the great things that you do. And I think that's what every business person wants. So that now involves building content, being a thought leader, doing keynotes within your with your industries and your associations. I'm seeing realtors doing that a lot now. They're now doing uh, real estate news and market updates and, and they're and they're putting themselves out there by being seen as experts in their field. They're the ones that are working on their brand and how they stand out. And I think every organization needs to focus on that right now is brand of your own personal reputation, your team's reputation, and your organization's reputation. Well, this is a great time to mention the book. Would you tell us about it, how it came to be, what it's called, and where we can find it, Neil? <laughs> well, I just, I sat, it was a pandemic project. I had planned it a couple of years ago, but it turned into like this 390-page bohemoth, but it's it's called Presence, Impact, and Influence. And in the book, I talk about leading change, executive reinvention, speaking skills, body language. People love the body language stuff. But it was really meant to be a reference tool for executives, owners, and managers to really focus on themselves and the impact that they're having, the influence they're having on others, and then the the presence when they walk into a room. That's all the human stuff. And that's why I wrote it. And uh, I'm so proud. I have it on Amazon.ca. Like Amazon. Woo, it's your friend. It is. Okay. And the title again is? P-I-I. Yeah. Presence, Impact, and Influence by Neil Thornton. (laughs) Well done. Excellent. Okay, Neil, let's end this on an actionable end note. When it comes to team building and workplace culture, what is your go-to piece of advice, first off, for leaders? For leaders, understand that your culture will eat your strategy for breakfast. That's from Peter Drucker. That is so true. We spend so much time on strategy and so little time on culture and, and dialogue and conversations. Okay. And for your employees? Uh, in the absence of a vision... We're each just driven by our own agendas. We're inattentive to each other's needs, and we inadvertently pull the wind from each other's sails. Uh, That's a quote from The Art of Possibility. But it's so true that not only do I need to align to my organizational vision, but I need to have a vision of my own. And where am I going? And it needs to be a very clear picture. And also have a plan to deal with the critics and the cynics and the sidelines who Mm -hmm. want to tell you why you can't succeed. There we go to Teddy Roosevelt and his whole saying about, you know, it's the ones who are in the arena getting dirty and bloody and not the ones who are sitting in the stands that matter, right? Right. 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 I think you and I read a lot of the same things. Yes, we do. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. I haven't read your book yet, though. Maybe you'll read mine and we'll do a book club. I've already ordered it. (laughs) Ah, Wonderful. Okay, now for those who get stuck in a holding pattern, not going forward, not going backward, 
Who is coaching you to move? Who who is stretching you? Seems to be the question that needs to be asked. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I've often said the greatest athletes in the world use coaches. Right. And uh, you know, you've got you know, people are going to laugh, but let's say the Toronto Maple Leafs they win a game. Well, the next day they're being coached. They're not celebrating. They're 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 in watching films, and, and the greatest business people realize that. Hey, I'm a good person and what I've done has got me to this point, but it might not necessarily get me to the next point. And if I can find an outside, non-biased, professional advisor, a business coach, a real business coach who will be willing to listen and not just give me advice. That's what consultants do, right? They come in and you'd be more successful. You're more like me. And I just find that arrogant, but Mm. like a, a real consultant, a real coach says, Hey, you'd be more successful if you're more like you. Let's let's look at your patterns. Let's look at your underlying patterns that maybe you've kind of lost or become unaware of, like your language, that's getting you what you're getting. Okay. And I often say to business leaders, you've got great tools. My goal is to give you more tools. You can go back to the originals, but I'm going to give you more tools to get the job done quicker and faster. And it's going to be up to you if you want to use them. And whenever you try something new, it takes a bit of practice at first. So a great coach gets people through that learning curve. I really feel like you gave us a whole bunch of new tools and some good advice and and good insight on perhaps how to start using them more effectively. Neil, we are so grateful for you joining us here today and sharing your wisdom, your humor, your insight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'm honored. Thank you, Erin. Neil Thornton is president of the Thornton Group. And if you're looking for that book of his on Amazon, once again, it's called Presence, Impact, and Influence. And if it's as great as this chat was, I am sure it's worth the read. Thanks to Rob Whitehead for putting this together for Real Family Productions. To Alphabet Creative for producing Real Time. I'm your host, Erin Davis, and we will talk with you again soon on Real Time. Bye for now.